Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Wesley Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, with a special presentation, let's join the Trinity Choir.
This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. It's not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God.
Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news. He healed their diseased bodies, and he healed their bruised and hurt lives. likes to be around someone who is sick all the time. I tried to keep up a cheerful front, but it just took too much energy. After 12 years of suffering and spending everything I had on those healers and their superstitious cures, I finally slipped into despair, which was worse than the disease. So all I had left was just, just a small measure of faith. <laughs> but as I started to push my way through the crowd that had gathered around Jesus, my faith it began to grow, and it, it overwhelmed me. And I knew, I knew if I could just touch him, I would heal. I thought I would be trampled before I could reach him. But with my last ounce of strength, I just felt the ground gripping the threadbare hem of his garment. Oh, it just rushed through me like a flood. The feeling of strength. It was, it was overwhelming. It was so exhilarating. I thought I could just fly. Didn't want to draw any attention. But then Jesus asked out loud, Who had touched him? Well, that just set out a round of laughter because, considering the size of this jostling crowd, was there anyone who had not touched him? Oh, fear gripped my heart. But I knew I had to tell him the truth about my life. So I, I just threw myself at his feet, and I confessed. But instead of condemning me, his soothing voice, it comforted me. And he praised me for my desperate act of faith. And he promised me a life of peace free from suffering on life. It was so simple, just touching the ragged edge of Jesus' robe. That's all it took. Simple, so pure, and so healing. This was a touch that would last for all eternity. 
As I pressed through the crowd, I fought with my pain. It was hopeless, they told me, but somehow his name whispered a promise I might be made whole. Trembling before him, my heart sang this I must admit, I was afraid. Afraid of being seen with him. Afraid of what others might say. 
being seen with him could jeopardize my reputation. Meeting with him at night, that would probably be the best. He was causing quite a commotion, you know. What with all of his miracles and his radical teachings was stirring up the people in ways I had never seen before. He was causing so many of the people's hearts to turn toward God. Was not that a good thing? On the other hand, many were speaking out against him. As a leader of the ruling council, I could not ignore this. If he truly was sent by God, I had to know for sure. Beneath a starlit sky, with a warm breeze blowing through the trees, he said to me, Nicodemus, if you truly want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Scratching my head and smiling, I said, how could this be possible? Must I enter again a second time into my mother's womb and be born again? No, no, Nicodemus, he said. Be born of God's spirit, not of the flesh. The words that he spoke, they seemed to mystify me. Light has come into the world, he said. And if you truly love the light, you will see what I am doing is from God. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Oh, you see, I knew of God's power. And I knew of his justice. But now, now I stood face to face with God's love, revealed in the person of this young teacher. Oh, but I was soon going to experience the height, the depth, the breadth, and the passion of God's love. I heard what he was saying. I tried so hard to see the meaning of his message, a troubling mystery. His words were so confusing beyond the mind of man. If I would see 
God's kingdom. I must be born again, born of the Spirit. How can it be that God, who rules the universe, could spirit free reborn to live forever what love how can it be God showed his love for Blinded by confusion, his words restored my sight. At last, a cloud of darkness was lifted by his light. On that Sunday in Jerusalem, the people gave Jesus a wonderful welcome. 
some throwing coats on the street, others spreading out palms they had gathered from the fields. Running ahead and following after, they were calling out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in God's name! Blessed is the followed this regal celebration was exciting. Jesus went to the temple and overturned the tables of the money It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. He stayed close to the temple and continued to heal the sick and teach about the kingdom of God. On Thursday evening, Jesus gathered with his disciples to celebrate the Passover. 
On this night, he gave the elements of the ancient feast a whole new meaning. Having taken and blessed the bread, he broke it and gave it to them. Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Taking the chalice, he gave it to them, thanking God, and they all drank from it. This is my blood, God's new covenant poured out for many. And then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. In great agony, he asked God to remove this cup of sorrow that he must bear. But he surrendered to God's will. And within moments, he was betrayed and arrested. They led Jesus to the chief priest, where the high priests, religious leaders, and scholars had gathered together. He was falsely accused and scorned. They condemned him, one and all. The sentence was death. What shall I do now with this Jesus? For what has this man done? I find no reason to condemn him to such a violent death. Barabbas is a criminal. What has he done to you to deserve this? Isn't he the king of the Jews? But why should I? Oh, why must I crucify him? Shall I crucify your king?
This choice is haunting me. I never thought I'd see this moment come to pass. I thought innocence would last. The crowd has called your name. And though I find no blame, I sentenced you to die. And still I wonder why. And now I see you on that cross, on that hill so far away. And though I said, my hands I wash, my aching heart must say, I put you there, there on that cross, my words have nailed you, you wore that purple robe I gave you, I see the crown of thorns I made you. I put you there. I put you
have thought God's saving power would look like this. Christ suffered for our sins. The guilt was ours. The penalty became his. He set aside his royal birthright to die as a criminal. It was through his sacrifice the grave lost its death grip and we gained eternal life. Jesus, the spotless lamb, was led to the slaughter. And yet, he is still the king of kings, destined for an eternal throne.
scripture that I've chosen for this morning comes from the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. It's Luke chapter 7, and it's verses 1 through 10, where it says, Now when he had concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. And so when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when, they had, and when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. And then Jesus went over to them, and... When he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I I say to you, I have not found such great faith not even in Israel. And those who were sent, returning to the house, found the servant well, who had been sick. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word and for the truth that is your word and what this word means in our lives. Father, I thank you for a time that we can come together and to worship you and how special that time is. But Father, now to open your word, we just know that, that this, and that it, it's with our faith that we read. And so Father, we just ask that you would bless this time. Open our hearts and open our minds to the reading of your word. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And we pray this in your most precious name. Amen. You know, I I realize um, the scripture that I I read this morning is um, a little out of the norm um, for Easter. It's not one that we usually read at, at Easter time. Um, in fact, this this particular scripture. Is, uh, it comes from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, uh, not long after, uh, after his baptism. And as he started out to, to um, begin this ministry is when, is when this happened. See, every year um, at Easter time, um, we read the same scripture. It's almost like it is written and should not be, um, nothing else should be written. That's not true. 
the Word of God is something that we can share no matter what the season. There's a purpose for this scripture today, and I'll explain that as, as we go. But you see, what we normally read about in the scripture and what we sing about here during, during this uh, cantata, much of it is the brutality that Jesus faced as, as he made that journey towards the cross. Going into Gethsemane, going into Gethsemane and, and praying to God, praying to the Father, saying, Father, if, if you would just take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And, and being in Gethsemane, and, and after that, being, being betrayed by Judas, and then being arrested. Being pushed through this, this sham of, of a trial, where he was falsely accused, and, and found guilty of blasphemy. Blasphemy. I know that when we went to uh, went to Israel and we went to the spot where they 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 know where where uh, the priest the high priest lived um, that that upon that that evening when he was found guilty of blasphemy and and you know he was beaten then that they dropped him down into a chamber and that's where he spent his evening. And then the next day, as they, as they pulled him out, they took him to Pontius Pilate. And, and you heard that during the, the solo, that the Pontius Pilate said, I don't find anything wrong here. What should I do with him? Do you want me to crucify him? And they all shout, yes, crucify him, crucify him. And he suffered and, and he was sentenced to death. He was beaten. Folks, um, I, I've, I've read the, the medical uh, examiners, at not, not from, of course not from that time, but what they figure Jesus went through in the beatings that, that he took, it is just, it's absolutely amazing. It, he must have been in, in someone of in, incredible strength because most of us would have died through the beatings. Then they take a, a, a crown of thorns and they, and they shove that down on top of his head and so, until it just cuts to the skull and, and, and he bleeds profusely. And then carrying his cross down Via Dolorosa which in the, in the Latin is the way of sorrows, uh, the way of grief, or the way of suffering, all the way to Calvary. And on, the Cal- on a Calvary, they nailed him to a cross. This is a, a particularly brutal, brutal execution. Uh, something that, that actually was written about before there were crucifixions. 700 years earlier in Isaiah, he wrote about this. That's what prophecy is all about. 
But you see, every year we tell the story of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we pay particular attention to the brutality that Jesus faced. To the point where that is where we fixate. We fixate on what Jesus went through. You see, which is what brought me to this scripture today that that I read from the beginning. From the beginning when he started his ministry. Because there's a point to be made from, from from this scripture reading. And as Jesus walks into Capernaum, he's he's met by Jewish elders. And and the purpose that those Jewish elders come to him for is they're standing between this, this centurion, Roman centurion, and Jesus. And they come to Jesus for this Roman centurion. And they say, this guy, this Roman centurion, is a great guy. He he loves the nation of Israel. And not only that, he built us a synagogue. And so Jesus, please, would, would you go and heal his servant? He deserves it. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. So was Jesus going to heal his servant? Yeah, he was. He was going to heal his servant. And in fact, he was walking towards there. And Jesus healed many people in, in his ministry. And, and I know, um, you know, one of the, it was the first sermon I ever preached um, years ago. Um, I, I preached on a healing that Jesus did. The woman who came up behind him and reached out and, and touched his, his robe, just a corner of his robe. And, and you know, it, that one struck me. And, and the way it was portrayed was, was so true. There was, there was such a crowd. There was a crowd of people. And, and this woman who had had a, a flow of blood, it says, for 12 years, and she had just spent everything that she had going to doctors and trying to be healed from it. And, and she heard about Jesus, and that reputation preceded her. And she came up behind him, like with all the other people, and she just, she just touched his robe. And it is funny, you know, because Jesus said, who touched me? <laughs> and there were, there was just a throng of people around him, you know, and, and when you're in a crowd like that and they all want to get close, everybody's bumping into everybody else. And, and, and when he said, who touched me? His disciples kind of must have just kind of giggled and said, well, you know, <laughs> who didn't touch you? But he felt the power of healing leaving his body. And it, and it healed that woman. It healed her. Amen. What a awesome awesome God this is. So Jesus was going to heal the, the servant. But, but on his way, he hadn't made it to the house yet. And on his way, the centurion sends out some more of his servants and they say, this is what our centurion, our, our boss, told us to tell you. And let, let me read that again to you. The message that they passed on was, Lord, do not trouble yourself. 
for I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. And therefore, I did not, I, not, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. You know, um, I'm not worthy to have, I'm not even worthy to have you in my house. You know, have you ever thought of the deserving? The deserving. You know, I know, I know people that, that go through a, a, a time, and, and many times it happens in, in their lives when someone in their life dies. And when you talk to them and, they, and, and you talk about heaven and you talk about the life beyond what Jesus has, has gone to prepare for each of us. And the person will say, I know they went to heaven. He was a good guy. He was a good guy. Let me read this next, next part here. Because this is Jesus' response to the good guy. And it was in verse 9, and he says... When Jesus heard these things, when he heard that the centurion had said, I'm not even worthy to come, to come before you or to have you in my house, just speak the word. Just speak the word and it'll be done. And so when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and he turned around and he said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. The ones that were supposed to get it didn't get it. And the one who did get it was a Roman Gentile. And you know the thing is, folks, the idea and what pleased Jesus in there was not that the centurion had built a synagogue. It didn't matter to Jesus that that the centurion loved the nation of Israel. It didn't matter to him. Something else mattered to him. And you can hear the pleasure, you can hear the happiness in his voice when he says, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. It wasn't the fact that he had built a synagogue. It was the faith, the faith that the the centurion ruler had in Jesus Christ as Lord. That is what pleased him. In, in Hebrews 11.6, it says this, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Capital H. When you come to God, you've got to believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see, folks, you can't please God without faith in who he is and what he has done for each of us. Even if you're a nice guy. You see, guys, you see, folks, nice guys never made it to heaven. They never made it to heaven. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ that the heaven, that heaven is open. John 14, 6 When Jesus speaks to his disciples, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. 
Jesus Christ. And faith within him. You see, the point that I want you to understand today is faith. It's faith. It has all to do with faith. That's why I chose the, um, Luke 7. This really has nothing to do with the brutality of the crucifixion. And when Easter comes and, it, and we get near to that season, this is where we fixate. And, and I'm sorry if that offends you, but, but folks, it's my job to offend you. It isn't about the brutality of the crucifixion. And, and I'm not belittling it because every time I think about what happened to Jesus, I could cry. But it's not about that. In fact, I don't think the, the Lord would ask you to concentrate on the brutality of it. I don't think he wants us to think about what he went through. I don't think that's what he'd want you to think about. I believe that what the Lord wants you to realize that what he did, he did it for you. And he did it for me. It wasn't what he went through. It was the purpose that he went through it. He did it for you. And he did it for me. And without our faith in what Jesus did for you and what he did for me, we're lost. It's only through faith that you can please God. Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins. He paid the price. You see, the crucifixion story, folks, it it demands a response from us. It demands it. And, and, that, and that response can be one of two things. I, I come and I, and I listen to this and I listen to the story and I know that we brutalized Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And you say, yep, that was pretty tough. And away you go. And it's never to be thought of again until the next time that Easter rolls around and we think about the brutality that, that happened to Jesus. Or it can be and it should be I believe and I have faith in what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. He did it for me. It is that personal. He did it for me. To believe in who he is as the Son of God, not a prophet, not a teacher, but as the Son of God, as the Son of God. Folks, he did it for you, and he did it for me. And I know that on that cross he could have called my name and he could have called your name. He could have done it. That's how personal it really is. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I I give you thanks in who you are as our God. Lord, I know that there are hearts here today that, that understand the brutality that, that Jesus went through on this cross but that that is not the point to be made here. The point to be made, Lord, I know, is that all that he went through, he did it for us. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I pray that you will open up hearts and that through this cantata, through these words, Father, that we will realize that being a nice guy isn't what it's all about.
but it's about our faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for grace. We thank you for our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. Now may the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Be righteous in all your thoughts. Be loving in all you do. But most of all, most of all, be ready for that Lord, for our Lord and his return.
Let's, um, let's thank the choir again, please. And the cast. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you just for the opportunity to be here and, and to use this cantata in a way that, that we are able to worship through it, to glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, be with each and every one of us as you have opened our hearts, opened our minds to the leading of the Holy Spirit in, in each and every one of us. Father, as we go our separate ways, just be with us. Um, as we go out into this community, that we would do so with the face of Jesus and touching hearts in his name. And we pray this in your most precious, precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Now podcast. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart, and we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.